Welcome into the KWVA studio here on 88.1 for tonight's edition of Quacksmack. Saul Galvan alongside Lily Crane, Aiden Hess, Ben Schoenfield. We got a packed house here tonight. I don't remember the last time we did a, a four-person show. Ben, I know you've been here for, you've been doing these for quite a while now. Do you know have any recollection of when the last time we there was a four-person show? There's definitely been quite a few four-person uh, Friday Night Spotlights because... We just need more people in. That's but, true. Like four person shows, I've probably done one or two of them in my two years and two months here. But max like four of them. But yeah, it really happens. But we're lucky it happens tonight because we have a lot to break down. A big weekend in Oregon athletics. A huge weekend. You know, I know everybody loves the holiday season, but I'll tell you what season I love more crossover season. And that's what we're in the midst of right now. Uh, Oregon volleyball. They're taking on the first. They're taking out southeastern Louisiana in the first round of regional play tonight, happening at seven o'clock. Going to be right after this quack smack, and then tomorrow, Pac-12 championship. Oregon and Washington, the rematch everyone has been waiting for. That's going to be a big game. Kickoff is at five o'clock Saturday. Oregon men's basketball. They're going to be taking on Michigan, a future Big Ten opponent. Going to happen at Matthew Knight Arena. Twelve thirty is the tip off, and then Sunday. Oregon wins basketball. They travel to Texas and are going to be taking on number 13th ranked Baylor in a huge matchup. Just a big weekend in Duck Athletics. But before we break down to anything, I think it is worth noting, and uh, I know Austin mentioned this uh, about a week ago with Aiden, but uh, just a kind of a shout-out to this group right here because we have been assigned as the new uh, – been added on to the leadership here at KWVA Sports. So congratulations to all you guys and uh, – you know, it's just it's gonna be a fun couple years. It's gonna be a fun couple years. I'm telling you that right now. Super excited uh, to be working alongside you guys, and you know, continue to to bring you know good stuff, good good programming onto the waves of KWA 88.1. But uh, yeah, how, how are you guys doing? I don't know, Ben. You and I were talking right now, but Lily, Aiden, how are we doing tonight? Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I think I was on Quacksmack a couple weeks ago, a couple Thursdays ago. Um, so it's been a little bit, but not too long. Um, Heading out to Vegas, flying out tomorrow morning for. Oh, so the, you're gonna be there? I will be oh, there. Oh uh, man, I'm a little lucky! Bit, I'm a little bit nervous, but aren't we all? Uh, championship game, so. Yeah, I know there's uh, a lot of hype around time. this game, but I mean, still, I f- I feel like what you're feeling. It, there's a lot of nerves in the air because, especially of what happened last time. Even though you want to be as confident as you can be going into this game, there's still so much to be nervous about. Like, both teams are playing for so much. Like I keep saying, this is probably the biggest game going on this weekend in terms of. Not just top four, but just the implications going into this game. It's definitely going to be a fun one to watch. Lily, what about you? How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's a lot of excitement, nerves for uh, the football game tomorrow. And then, yeah, a lot of exciting things going on in, in Oregon athletics with first and second rounds of uh, volleyball happening at Matthew Knight Arena. A lot of fun. And then, yeah, like you said, some some basketball matchups this weekend, big matchup against Michigan a lot of fun things going on and then and then meanwhile uh, we're all still students so wrapping up our final week oh and man we have I finals mean, week next the, week the stress levels right now on campus just have to be like it's, uh, you can't see it but probably to the roof right now above the EMU like it's not even just on the ground floor it's above yeah. the EMU right now like you said so much going on this weekend Oregon athletics but also you're right Finals are coming up. How, how are we feeling so far? How, how, how are you guys looking? 
for finals, I, week, I'm, finals week. I'm doing all right. I had a 10-page essay and a five-minute presentation due last week. I had another paper due last week. I have two more papers and an online exam due next week. So it's been a busy term. I've been working. I got here 10 minutes before the show because I just got off of work. Mm. I'm producing football tomorrow, producing volleyball tonight and tomorrow. It's it's a grind. It's I got to admit. I got to admit, but you know what? It's going to feel so good in a week when everything's I, over and just looking forward to that month long break. I'm leaving in 5 days. Oh my god. So. I'm, I'm leaving in I think yeah, 5 days till I'm leaving Wednesday, so I'm, yeah. I'm I'm ready to get out of here, but you know, but it's uh it's a it, it's a good you know just kind of test to put yourself through just getting through this week and you know getting through finals and everything but uh yeah let's start right into it here uh we're gonna start off with some oregon men's basketball preview like lily said they're taking on michigan this weekend 12 30 on saturday tip off matthew knight arena it's gonna be a pretty hectic environment uh it's only the seventh time these two teams have played in men's basketball history uh but obviously they're gonna be playing each other a lot more in the coming years with the big 10 move obviously oregon Going into the Big Ten as as well as Washington. Currently, Oregon is two and four all time against the Wolverines. They won the last two matchups. Let's start with that. But interesting enough, they've only won those last two matchups by one point. Last time they played was four years ago in 2019. Oregon was ranked number ten, while Michigan was at number five, and the Ducks were able to pull off the huge upset. This time around, different teams, especially for Michigan. Oregon, same thing too, but especially for Michigan. Michigan this year is not who they usually are. They had that whole Caleb Love debacle in the spring. He committed to Michigan, then he decommitted and instead and went to Arizona, another Pac-12 opponent. Head coach hasn't been with the team due to personal health reasons. He only returned to the team this past week. And they've really been pretty solid the past three seasons. The best season was probably two years ago in 2021. Top 10 most of the season. Then they lost in the regional semifinal. But they're usually one of the better teams in the Big Ten. That's not the case this year. Wolverines 4 and 3 record going into the Oregon game. They lost to Memphis, they're coming off a loss to Texas Tech. They're averaging around 81 points this season, which is pretty good, but they've been giving up an average of 75 points to opponents, averaging 12 assists a game, but also averaging 12 turnovers a game. And then you look on the other side. Oregon did not have the ideal outcome that they wanted in the Emerald Classic. They went into that uh tournament undefeated. They lost to Santa Clara and Alabama. They were pretty close games, I'll give them that. But the injuries, though, have hit this team so, so hard. Nate Biddle and Folly Dante, two returners that both ended up having surgery this past week, and they're going to be sidelined until the end of December. So just big hits um, to this roster. Mookie Cook, he's still dealing with ankle injury. Freshman Jackson Shellstead finally made his debut this week and has given the Ducks pretty good minutes, but he's still kind of dealing with the injury bug. So uh, starting off you know, with you guys, where both teams are at right now, how does Oregon match up with Michigan? We'll start with you, Lily. Yeah, it's tough. I haven't seen a lot from Michigan uh, this season, but like you said, it's it's not the, the same Michigan team that we've seen uh, in recent years. For the Ducks, uh, this game's being played at Matt Knight Arena, Matthew Knight Arena, That's and it's been a, a pretty highly advertised game, so uh, that should be uh, a big boost for the Ducks, but yeah, and obviously, like you said, a uh, lot of injuries recently. Jackson Shellstad did return um, and played in the last couple games, but uh, hasn't still been kind of finding his footing. I mean, this is his first his first season. He's yeah. a freshman, but mm-hmm. that's an added ball handler for Oregon. And yeah, it's it's always tough because it seems like 
a lot of the recent seasons, there's always a handful of injuries on this Oregon men's basketball team uh, in the non-conference slate. And it's just, it's, it's always difficult for them to, to kind of find their footing and, and build chemistry, especially when they have uh, new f- freshmen. But yeah, this, this is uh, one of their probably more anticipated matchups of uh, the non-conference season. So hopefully if they can come out of uh, Matt Knight Arena with a win on Saturday, that will kind of build some confidence. That will kind of add to their confidence and they can uh, build some momentum. Yeah. Aiden, what about you? Uh, well, I think just going off that, I mean, uh, I would say this is probably the biggest non-conference game. I mean, you kind of look at Oregon's schedule last year. I think uh, you could probably give that award to when, when they hosted Houston, who was number three in the country at the time, ended up losing that. But but Michigan, obviously not where they were. Um, this was a, a team that made a run to the national championship in 2018. Um, they've had a lot of talent. Uh, Hunter Dickinson was their big forward who um, moved on from the program, went over to Kansas. So that's been a big loss for the Wolverines. Um, so they're really kind of kind of going through the motions so far in the season. But but we know about Michigan. Uh, the Big Ten for basketball is usually a stacked conference. I think it was a couple years ago. Uh, Michigan was one of the the last four in on the bubble, and uh, I believe they made the Sweet 16. They had like a 17 and 15 record. But but Michigan, um, they're they're historically a good basketball program. Um, Oregon, I think, with their injuries, it's going to be really tough for them to match up. I mean, and, and they've now played three full games without their, their two best forwards, Nate Biddle and Nafali Dante. Um, they, they took down uh, FAMU the first game, and then you mentioned they, they, they dropped those two at the, uh, the Emerald Classic. But uh, I think it's the biggest conference game uh, of the year for Oregon. They're doing a big T-shirt giveaway. Um, oh, yeah, shout-out. Big Nike yeah. t-shirt giveaway. Shout so get there early if you're heading to the game. Get your out, tickets. Shout-out to uh, Levi Berkthold. I remember last time I was on the show, he he had to be the guy that has to lay out every single shirt on all 12,000 or so of those seats at, at, at MKA. Uh, so he's going to have his hands full. But um, it, it should be a good time, and, and, and we're hoping the best for Oregon up, up against the Wolverines on Saturday. Yeah, Ben, what do you think about this matchup between uh, Oregon and Michigan? I don't think it will be the same as how it would have been last year in a sense, because as Aiden mentioned, Hunter Dickinson, and then I feel like the injury bug didn't hit the Oregon team quite as much as early in the season last year. So this was panning out to be a really good matchup last year, and now it's kind of not quite what people are expecting, especially in the last year of non-conference schedule for the Pac-12. It's just... I'm still expecting a good game. I feel like these two teams are very evenly matched. A lot of young players, a lot of like grinded out players, but I think it'll be a close game, probably in the mid sixties for points for each team, but maybe not quite the hype that was going into it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think when this, uh, I think you said perfectly when this game came out on the schedule, everyone thought that this is going to be a big game for both teams because obviously Oregon, they, they, you know, they did really well towards the end of the season. Everyone knew they were going to be kind of a threat uh, because they had guys like Dante and Biddle coming back. And then Michigan, obviously, when the schedule came out, Love was still committed to uh, to Michigan. So everyone thought that the Wolverines were going to be on top of the Big Ten. But then he ended up, le- he ended up leaving, and then obviously Hunter Dickinson left as well. And then, you know, obviously the injuries for Oregon have just continued to tack on. So... Yeah, I do agree. I think this game had a lot more hype uh, before when the se- when the schedule was released, but now not so much. But still, it's it's a pretty important game, especially uh, because Oregon is going to be going to the Big Ten and they're going to be playing Michigan a lot more 
um, it's definitely a, a, mat, uh, a game that you want to win uh, before you enter conference play. For me, you know, I, I think these teams match up pretty well right now with where they're both at. Oregon, to be successful, they just need to have good ball security. Just two turnovers in the win against Montana. The, In my opinion, that was kind of their best win so far. Everyone's going to say the Georgia win because that was, you know, Georgia's Georgia. But I thought the Montana win, uh, they played really, really well. And that was just kind of more one of their more complete games they played so far. And then really just control the boards. Obviously, no Dante, no Biddle, two of your bigger guys, your forward guys. They've been playing pretty guard heavy, kind of mixing in a lot of those bench guys. Brennan Rigsby's gotten a lot of minutes since those two have been out. So, you know, really just kind of see what you can do about controlling the boards. Michigan's got some tall guys. So, uh, you know, really just trying to do anything you can to manage the game and, and pull away. I mean, I think Oregon really has the advantage here just because they are going to be in Eugene at Matt Knight Arena. But if they were in Michigan, I would kind of give it to Michigan. That's how evenly these two teams are matched up. But uh, let's flip over from uh, men's basketball to women's basketball. They're going to be – they have two big games coming up. Uh, they're going to make a quick stop in Portland tonight, actually. Tip-off should have started right now. They're playing against uh, the Portland Pilots. And then they're going to head to Texas for a battle with number 13th-ranked Baylor on Sunday. The Ducks, they bounced back last week. They lost to Santa Clara in a bit of a shocking fashion. Then they beat Nevada pretty comfortably. But for me, the next game could really define the team's first half of the season against Baylor. It's a winning record, but the Ducks have yet to play a ranked opponent. Baylor has played very, very well. They're number 13 ranked right now. They beat Utah earlier in the year. Utah's at number four currently, and they're still undefeated. But I believe the way that the Ducks are playing right now, they could put up a fight. Grace Van Sluden and Chance Gray have been playing really well, both averaging a little over 14 points a game. Sarah Rambis, the newcomer, has really had some good minutes off the bench. And really, despite the Peyton Scott injury, which has really took a huge hit, this team has definitely done really well managing their games, continue to you know fight until the end, which I think is really key, especially when they go into conference play. But you know, what do you guys think about these next two games for this team? Well, looking at the the live box score, uh, the Ducks are are down right now. Uh, a few minutes left in the first quarter to, to, to Portland Pilots. Uh, looks like uh, they're having hard time shooting the ball again. And but for the most part, yeah, that game against Santa Clara uh, a couple couple weekends ago was was a little bit shock. Well, not a little bit. It was shocking. Um, as someone who's watched Oregon women's basketball for a while, that hasn't happened. Like they haven't had a loss that big um, since Kelly Graves has been head coach, and so that was just not expected. And this might not be as might not be as deep as a team um as a couple of seasons ago but it's that still seems like that Santa Clara game is gonna be a little bit of an outlier and yeah they bounced back last game against Nevada uh they the shooting was improved from the field not as still struggling from three but they really attacked the boards in that game and I would say the big improvement for the Ducks going forward is is being able to get Chance Gray back. She had a hot start to the season, uh, having her be able to find her footing again and, and start shooting at a high high clip. Um, and then also just getting the ball into the paint to Filipina Che. She's six foot eight. She's gonna be she's gonna tower over pretty much anyone on the opposing side. I think they need to take advantage of that mismatch more and, and find her. 
I mean, yeah, looking at looking at uh, the women's team schedule, they they've looked pretty solid against all the teams they played. Granted, they haven't played anyone ranked. Um, and then you just have the the Santa Clara game, which so far in the season right now it looks like a huge outlier. Um, that that could change. Still, a lot of season left to play. But I was on the call for the the Santa Clara game, and it it was it was just in, incredibly shocking. It was it was also pretty unfortunate too. I think that's the other thing too. When you look at it, obviously Oregon lost eighty nine to fifty, but. Santa Clara just lit up from beyond the arc. I mean, it just looked like they couldn't miss, and it wasn't really, at least from through my eyes, it, it didn't really seem like, uh, okay, like pretty good defense, just better offense. It it just felt like the, the defensive uh, intensity um, wasn't really there from the Ducks. Like it's just allowing too many open shots, and the Broncos just kept making them pay as, as they should. Um, and that's what kind of resulted in that blowout. But I think the game against Nevada was huge. You have a you have a couple days of practice where um, I know Kelly Graves said he was asked, uh, well, what are you going to work on in practice? He's like, well, we got to work on anything. That that might have been a, a, a bad a loss as, as Oregon basketball, women's basketball has had in a while. So I think that win against the Wolfpack is really big. Um, just kind of staying in, in the, the swing of it with the season. They go on to Portland. They're down early, but um, still a lot of game – Left in that one, it'd be good to pull out a win there, and the, and then Baylor. That that's that's a tough game, but on the road especially. Baylor beating Utah. Utah won the Pac-12 last year, um, the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, Utah, uh, they've been one of a, a top team in the country, and if Baylor beat them, that's that just makes that matchup a whole lot tougher. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree that that Santa Clara game was something else. Uh, I mean, getting beat by 39 at home just should never happen no matter who the opponent is but it's also seemed like santa clara's had oregon's number on both sides they beat us they beat oregon on both men's and women's yeah in the past week so there's just sometimes there are those games uh this oregon squad is still a very young squad they have four returning players from or five returning players from last year one from the previous year before that mm-hmm. so I think it's still getting into the comfortability of everything, and that was just an outlier game, in my opinion. And as as everybody's been saying, they are down by seven points right now in Portland, but Portland is a very good group of whatever team uh, through, at least in women's basketball. Uh, so this is going to be a telltale game of how the rest of this non-conference season is going to go, go and then especially going into conference play. Yeah. On. Yeah. It's a good point. I, you know, I really like the way this team's going right now. And I, like I said, I think these next two games are really going to define how this team is going to be, especially the first half of the season, because really outside of Portland and Baylor, the, the only other opponent that I could see them either struggling with, or possibly could be another significant matchup was Oklahoma state uh, in the trailblazer classic. That's going to be on December 21st. But you know, really, there there weren't a lot of outliers besides Baylor in this co- kind of non-conference schedule. Um, obviously, we know that the Pac-12 conference, especially for women's basketball, is just super deep and it's so difficult. And you know this Duck team is going to have a lot of adversity when it comes to conference play. And I think that's really going to be, you know, something that they have to kind of build on uh, on Sunday against Baylor. It's, it's really going to be a test to them. You know, even if they – don't end up winning. I could definitely see them giving Baylor a, a, a lot of trouble. And if they do, I really think that speaks a lot to, to how, where this team is going to go and how successful this team is going to be down the line. Uh, before before we step aside for a break, what for either men's or women's, we, we just talked about both, but what does each team kind of need to improve on before conference play? Because right now, 
both teams are in kind of the same spot where they have the winning records, they have, you know, the good players, the injury bugs kind of hit them a little bit, but, you know, looking at the schedules ahead and before conference play starts at the end of December, what, what does each team need to kind of improve on? Uh, like I said, for women's basketball, I think just rebounding more, continuing on that, and just being able to shoot uh, the three the three pointer uh, at a, a higher rate uh, is yeah the big thing that they've been struggling with. Once they tie up those things, I think the especially in the non conference season when it's not high not not highly ranked or, or well known opponents, I think yeah just the larger, the wider the gap is between Oregon and their opponent in non-conference schedule, I think the mo- more its confidence uh, will grow. And then the same thing with the men's team. Uh, yeah, both teams, it's a, a lot of young players uh, just kind of gaining experience right now, different groups uh, taking the floor together. So just, yeah, building chemistry more. I think on the women's side, uh, it's it's really just uh, uh, the key is getting the ball in the paint, uh, especially to Filipina Shea. Uh, Lily mentioned she's six she's six foot eight. That's that's uh, definitely an advantage um, on the Duck side. And in the Santa Clara game, uh, she had two points, but she didn't score a, make a single field goal. She made uh, two free throws, and that was really it. I think that was a a part of the game that that uh, the Ducks women's basketball team really needs to establish, especially with the tough matchup against Baylor coming up. And then on the men's side, I think one thing is is extend, is playing with a lead and knowing how to extend it. Because we've seen it a couple times. Oregon's jumped out to a big advantage against uh, Georgia, and the Bulldogs were able to battle back. Even against um, Montana, it was, it was I believe, tied at, at the half, and then Oregon was able to pull ahead and win that game. And then, and then Tennessee State, it was looking like it was going to be a close game at halftime, but then um, Oregon got a, a, a couple points in, in a couple seconds. So... Really, just uh, knowing how to increase that margin, and especially with the the fouls too, are another thing. In the Alabama game, Oregon gave up uh, 28 free throws to the Tide, and Alabama made 26 of them. So, staying out of foul trouble is one thing, um, and then playing with a lead is another. I think for the men's basketball team. Ben, yeah, uh, the one thing that I see with this women's team is consistency. We say it every single year uh, coming into the season they they just need to remain consistent and I feel like with the Oregon men's team it is the injury bug losing the two bigs of the team the two main starters it just hurts and that's why they lost those two games but with both sides of the uh of the ball uh, both both men's and women's it's mainly consistency and repetition yeah, consistency is going to be key for the women's team especially. And, uh, you know, for me, I think it's the three-point shooting. They're only 28-91 and 91 in the year. And last year, I think they were one of the more dominant teams from beyond the arc, which is really, you know, key for their success. Obviously, they didn't have a lot of success in conference play. But in their non-conference schedule, they really did have a lot of success from shooting beyond the arc. And it was from a lot of their, their players that transfer, like India Rogers and Tahina Pau They obviously are not on the team anymore. But I still think with the identity this team has, they can become that three-point um, – shooting team that they were last year and and ultimately that's really what's going to lead to success especially in conference play and you know like I said it's going to be difficult down the road there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be in the top 25 Colorado's in the top 25 you got Stanford you have Utah just all these teams that Oregon are going to have to play you know two or three times uh, you know until the end of February but 
you know, if they can somehow get the three points, if they can get the three point uh, shooting percentage up, I think that they should be a lot more competitive in Pac-12 conference. For the men's, for the men's team, it's going to be rebounding and turnovers. They had ten against Santa Clara, thirteen against Alabama. They just really need to take care of the ball. Ball security is always a big thing, uh, and you know, especially like I said, once they get into conference play, turnovers they're going to kill you, uh, especially in this conference. They're and all the teams are going to take advantage of you. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk some Oregon volleyball. Their regional is coming up at the top of the hour at 7 o'clock. And then some Pac-12 football, Pac-12 championship eve. Super excited for it. Keep it here at 88.1 KWA Eugene. Based nonprofit that offers humanitarian aid and medical support to Ukrainian soldiers and their families. United Help Ukraine organizes demonstrations in Washington, D.C., advocating for Ukrainian independence and protesting unlawful action taken by Russia. More information about their work can be found at unitedhelpukraine.org. Students, when I call the reason for your absences throughout the years, please exit the auditorium without your high school diploma. <clears throat> Too tired, family trip, sick day, starting the holidays early. Starting in the sixth grade, students who miss 18 days or more of school in a year for any reason will fall behind and risk not graduating high school. How many days of school has your child missed this year? Absences add up. Keep track at boostattendance.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ed Council. More American Indians live in poverty than any other racial or ethnic group. Since 1989, the American Indian College Fund has helped thousands of young men and women begin a path out of poverty as students at tribal colleges. As more American Indians see a college education as a way out of poverty, full-time college enrollment continues to rise, along with a continued need for support. Help a student, help a tribe. Learn more at tribalcollege.org. A public service message from the American Indian College Fund. This is former assistant sports director Adam Sussman. If your dial reads 88.1, you're in the right place. Let's get back to Quacksmack. Welcome back to Quacksmack here on 88.1. Saul Galvan, Lily Crane, Aiden Hess, and Ben Schoenfield. What a group we have tonight here. Uh, we just talked some Oregon basketball. Oregon, the men's team are going to be taking on Michigan on Saturday, and then women's team are going to be down in Texas on Sunday taking on Baylor. And now we're going to talk about some Oregon volleyball because guess what? They're not the only team starting their postseason match tonight. It's going to be also Oregon football, but uh, Oregon volleyball, they're starting tonight. They play Southeastern Louisiana. The match is set for 7 o'clock tonight. Now Uretsky and Brody Napier are going to be on the call right here on 88.1. Ben Schoenfield Gonna be overproducing, Ben. How many games does this make for you? I, I don't even keep in count, but I have not been keeping count of games, <laughs> but it's probably over a hundred by now. Uh, probably thirty volleyball matches, thirty or so softball, couple of football, basketball. So you're it's up there. You're Soccer, like, even you're, you're getting towards high school that, football. You're getting towards that century mark. I got. I've definitely you give him a plaque or something. I was gonna say we might have to just yeah. name Prod Two. Uh, I already have the most Friday night spotlights all time the ben at the Show. station. Oh, no one will ever beat you. I, I can promise <laughs> yeah. you that right now. The, <laughs> the most before was below fifty, and I'm at sixty three. Yeah. No. I, so we'll, we'll we'll make sure your record stays uh, <laughs> stays held within here. Uh, but yeah, big matchup going on tonight. Oregon gonna take out Southeastern Louisiana. Um, the first round of the regional, and 
you know, we were talking about these two teams on Tuesday and kind of how they match up with each other. It, obviously, the Ducks, they're hosting both rounds. are going to be playing the winner tomorrow night. Actually, we just found out, too, that Hawaii won the match over Iowa State. So the winner of Oregon and Southeastern Louisiana is going to be playing Hawaii tomorrow. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But focusing on the matchup coming up at 7 o'clock, Oregon and Southern Louisiana, or Southern Eastern Louisiana, a ah, bit of a tongue twister. Uh, for these teams, I mean, they match up well. The Ducks have had no problems in the first round of the regional, especially in the, the Matt Ulmer era. It's the sixth sele- selection in the NCAA tournament under Ulmer. It's the first time that these two teams will ever meet. Uh, obviously, Oregon is favored in the first round, as considering that they are the home team. Southeastern Louisiana, though, they haven't had a bad season. They're 28-4 record, 17-1 in Southland Conference play. They beat LSU early in the season. And I didn't even know this, and this was actually pretty startling to me, but they ended the season on a 22-game winning streak. The last loss was against Northwestern State on September 14th. I mean, 22 games to end the year. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, also, I Southeastern Louisiana faced two Pac-12 opponents all year, Cal and Washington. They lost both matches. Uh, to me, the Ducks should get by the first round, but... but Start with you guys. How does Oregon match up with South e- Southeastern Louisiana? I think I think Oregon matches up well against South uh, Eastern Louisiana. I, I think in any tournament, the main thing is just be confident, but don't be arrogant. And the Ducks need to show uh, need to make sure that they show respect to this team. Uh, and I mean, obviously, another another game that. They have the advantage of the home crowd hosting the first two rounds, and if they advance, it would be the same thing where it's at Matt Knight Arena. Uh, so I think that's a good boost uh, for that team. And just the way the Ducks have been playing all season, I don't think that they'll get too cocky against uh, against this group. Uh, so, Yeah. Uh, well, I think it is a good matchup for Oregon. They, they've, they've honestly been at the, the peak of their – their uh, um, program, I think, with Matt Ulmer at the helm. He's done a great job um, with his team. They were a three seed in the tournament, made it to the uh, Elite Eight last year, and they're a two seed. So um, they've had improvements from last year seeding-wise. Uh, Oregon's a really good team and a really good conference, and, and I think that really um, speaks to how much talent they have. But uh, you kind of have to watch out for those, those, those mid-major schools who they usually have a really, really good record um, against who against who they play, I I, I kind of make the comparison. To you see, like in March Madness, I know last year was like Carl College of Charleston was like thirty eight and two or something like that heading into the tournament. But um, you always got to watch out for those mid majors. Uh, but I think Oregon, uh, they're going to be a big favorite, and and at least in my opinion, I think they'll be able to pick up a win tonight. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Oregon is probably going to sweep just because the level of competition for this uh, southeastern Louisiana team is going to take a drastic jump. They lost 10 total sets through all of conference play, or even nine, because I don't don't think ULM is part of their conference. So yeah, they lost nine sets through all of conference play, including their loss to Northwestern State, who they played twice with everybody so and that includes the conference tournament as well which is just ridiculous yeah to lose nine total sets in 18 matches yeah i mean i think like lily said it best you know there's a lot of confidence going to this game but 
They can't get cocky. Yeah. Obviously, Southeastern Louisiana is still a very good team. They played their way into this tournament. And even though they haven't played, you know, the type of opponents like Oregon has and really, you know, had the same type of competition, they're still a pretty good team. They have a lot of good aspects about this team. It could be a St. Peter's of last year. Oh. They are a 15 seed. That's true. Princeton was a 15 seed. Princeton was a 15 seed. What what, what were the other upsets that – uh, FDU. FDU was, was a FDU 16. Against, uh, yeah. Uh, it was UMBC over Virginia was a 16 seed. Yeah, 2019. But it's just you can never overlook any team in the tournament. You really can't. They it, made it here. Yeah, exactly. And especially because it is a win or go, or go yeah. home. It's not a series. It's not, you know, a best of three. It's, you know, you win and you're out. I'm Sorry, you lose and you're out. So, I mean, yeah, it's a good point to make that really any of these teams, even though they may be higher seeds, they can get hot pretty quick and surprise the the, the top seeds. So I think that's something that Oregon's really going to have to, you know, keep in the back of their minds that even though they are the favorite team, they're going to have the advantage because they are at home. They still need to just play the way they've been playing all year and really just not get too cocky, just like Willie said. Um, so we just found out, too, that Hawaii beat Iowa State. And I put in the, uh, the outline, the predictions for Iowa State versus Hawaii, not knowing that the game would be over by then. So, uh Big mistake by me, but uh, yeah, Hawaii won three sets to one. Uh, any surprises there? I guess. I think I'd be, I'm a little surprised. Yeah. Usually, I remember we did a we did a station wide um, volleyball bracket, and I know a lot of people were just picking like these crazy upsets. But uh, I think like the 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 64 team tournament in volleyball is a lot different than. Uh, March Madness in basketball, it's, it's, it's a lot more chalk. Usually um, the best teams we see consistently advance. You get a couple upsets here and there, and, and a 10 against a 7 is definitely one that could happen. Um, I think I put in my notes uh, that I was like, oh, I think Iowa State's going to win. They're just the higher seed. But um, Hawaii, credit to them. Um, they won, and they're going to get a, a play. They're coming back tomorrow to play the winner of Oregon and uh, southeastern Louisiana. And it was an upset because uh, Iowa State was the number seven seed. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think a lot of people uh, expected that. And, and yeah, it was, it, was, it was a win on a service error. So Hawaii's probably just riding a, a huge high right now, which I think is a little dangerous no matter who wins this matchup uh, uh, versus Oregon and, and uh, Eastern uh, Louisiana. Uh, it's yeah that's a that's a Hawaii team that just upset um a, a decent Iowa State team so yeah I think that's a little bit dangerous when that like it, they just have to make sure that that's not the the highest that their confidence can get because it can be quick tumble from there uh and yeah I think it's so it could be a good matchup for whoever uh wins this Oregon game match yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that, but that also puts a bright spot on the uh, Oregon team to watch out for service errors, which has been a difficulty for them the entire season, along with errors. Iowa State had 27 errors in the match, which which over-doubled Hawaii's, which pretty much allowed Hawaii to win this match in four sets instead of it being a little bit closer. Granted, Hawaii had 11 service errors to four aces, whereas I- Iowa State had eight and eight. It's, But this is just such a big reminder for pretty much most teams in the tournament. Errors count. 
Yeah. Errors are probably one of the biggest knockbacks in a match. Like if you're on a streak and you have a blocking error or you have a service error, that just hurts. Yeah. I I, mean, this Oregon team, it seems every time they have an ace, they'll have a service error right after and it just kills momentum. Yeah, service errors have really been a big thing for for Oregon this year, and it's something that they definitely have to improve on. You know, they can get away with it in this regional round against these opponents that they have a little bit more of an advantage with, but when they get into these next rounds against the higher seeds like Wisconsin, against Nebraska, it's really going to be an issue if they have more than, I don't even know, three to four service errors. I I was saying, you know, a couple weeks ago that you look at these top teams like Nebraska and Stanford, sometimes they have one or two service errors. I mean, that's how good they are, and that's – because they are the number one and two teams. Uh, but, you know, looking ahead, you know, if the Ducks are able to make a run in the postseason, uh, you know, what what's something that Oregon cannot do to repeat from what happened last year? Because they, they did have a nice run in the postseason last year. They beat LMU uh, in the first round, then they beat Arkansas to win the Eugene Regional. They went out to beat Nebraska, which at the time Nebraska was seventh ranked. Uh, you know, they had a pretty close game with them. They won three sets to, not, three sets to two. And then against Louisville, they lost that one to end their postseason run, but it was still a pretty competitive uh, match overall. They won sets two and three and then ended up losing four and five to Louisville. So it was a pretty close game up to the end. The Oregon definitely played really well, but it wasn't enough to keep their postseason run alive. But when you look at the difference in teams this year, there's not really that much. They have a lot of returners this year, especially in their uh, core six that they put on the court to start the match. Really, though, what's something that they can't repeat from last year if they want to make a long run, especially trying to make it to the championship? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ben talked about service errors. It wasn't as much of, I mean, it was in last last year's match that the Ducks lost against Louisville. It was, it was kind of pretty even on both sides uh, in, in, terms of, uh, in terms of errors. But in terms of this Ducks team uh, this season, yeah, I think that's a an area that they need to to focus on and and, and kind of prevent from happening in these matches. But yeah, last last season it was also the Ducks hosted uh, the first two rounds, got those wins, then went to yeah went to Louisville, beat Nebraska like you said, and then lost to Louisville in five sets. So I think this year that I think this match tonight is really important because the Ducks have been playing well this season. I think they've grown a lot from last season and this is an opportunity to really send a message uh, to everyone else kind of in in this bracket of the tournament and just everyone in the tournament in general send a message that the Ducks are, are a team to beat and and then in building on their own confidence uh, and then just continuing that if they're if they're going to advance to the second round at home and then go from there. Well, I think with this Oregon team this year, you can kind of look at uh, who they don't have from last year. And that's and that's Brooke Nunnaviller. Brooke Nunnaviller was their mm-hmm. leader. Mm-hmm. She was the captain of this team last year. And I think um, she made a, a, a whole lot a big difference. Um, from the team and getting them to that that big run that they had um, 
She just when it, whenever it felt like Oregon was kind of falling behind, the other team was getting on a run. She'd rally the troops together and say, "All right, we're gonna get back in this match." And and Oregon showed a lot of heart in the tournament. The Nebraska they had that that crazy set uh, that went to like 32 points or something like that. And then uh, and you got to remember that match against Louisville, Oregon was one point away from advancing to the final mm-hmm. four. Just one. Unfortunately, they couldn't close it out. Um, they were so close, but. Uh, I think it's kind of showed the absence of Brooke Nunnaviller this year. We had raised some questions kind of earlier in the season, who's going to step up to be the leader. Um, but it seems more it's kind of a, a, a team effort kind of by committee. And or- Oregon, to their credit, they've, they've still looked good. Um, last year, like going into the tournament, they got an, on that huge winning streak. Um, this year, I believe the winning streak is six games. Yeah, six games uh, heading into the postseason. Um, still solid. So I think the match tonight, it is very important for Oregon. Um, if you win, you don't want to just skate by. You want to win in dominant fashion to let the less, let the rest of the nation know that we're here, we're legit, and we're, we're here to make a run. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this game, this match is going to be a huge match to see the confidence of this team. I think the leadership, as Aiden said, is by committee. There are a bunch of seniors and grad students on this team with Kara McGee, Gabby Gonzalez, Hannah Pukas, Morgan Lewis, uh, Georgia Murphy is an upperclassman, Elise Ferreira. All of these players are key components to this team's success and helping Mimi Collier, who's only a sophomore, keep composure and maintain uh, like a level playing field uh, in her head during a match and stuff like that. But the key component for them is just staying consistent and yes they're gonna have streaks and lulls but trying to keep the other team's streaks to a minimum max like three four points maybe will keep them in every set with a hope to win every set uh so they don't have to go back to back days of like they beat nebraska in five but then the next day lost to louisville in five that's 10 sets in two days you can't really have that if you want to continue to compete and like go to the final four and even the championship. Yeah. I mean, consistency has definitely been a struggle for this team all year with service errors, just really, you know, giving up sets that really Oregon should have won in the first place. And it's something that these top teams are going to take advantage of if they continue to do it. But I I like what all you guys said was that tonight is really going to be important. If Oregon can get ahead early, if they can win in three sets, if they can take every set by, you know, double-digit points, you know, it's really going to show how dominant this Oregon team is going to be in this tournament because that's obviously what you want to do is you want to be as dominant as you can coming out of regionals, especially if Oregon is the favorite to win it. Really, for me, it's it's, they have to get ahead early and they have to finish against their opponents. Obviously, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder after, you know, getting beat last year by Louisville. They did pretty well in regional play last year. The main stars in core, you know, they're returners. They know what it felt like last year to to go home after the Louisville loss. Obviously, you know, like uh, Aiden said, no Brooke Nunaviller, but Gabby Gonzalez has really filled in that role and kind of helped out Mimi Collier. And, and you know, when she uh, hasn't been able to get, you know, be herself really, uh, Gabby Gonzalez has really done a, a pretty good job of that. But, yeah, tonight's going to be a big matchup. 7 o'clock is when the match is set to start. Knight Uretsky, Brody Napier are going to be on the call for that one here on 88.1. We're going to take another short break. When we come back, we're going to talk some Oregon football. 
Pac-12 championship less than 24 hours away. A big game coming up for both teams. We're going to talk about here on the other side of this break here on 88.1. The Skate Park Project, formerly the Tony Hawk Foundation, is a skateboarding organization that helps communities build public skate parks for youth in underserved communities. To date, nearly 600 recipients of the Skate Park Project grants have opened their skate parks. These parks receive more than 6 million annual visits by youth who benefit from the active lifestyle and camaraderie the facilities promote. Learn more about the Skate Park Project by visiting www.skatepark.org. UNICEF works across 190 countries and territories to reach the children and young people who are most at risk and most in need. As conflict escalates in Ukraine, UNICEF is on the ground providing safe water, emergency supplies, and social services to children and their families. Learn more at unicef.org forward slash Ukraine forward slash EN. For over 50 years, Help Heal Veterans has utilized recycled materials to create, manufacture, and distribute art therapy kits that help vets deal with pain management, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and many other challenges. Our kits help veterans find sustainable wellness in their lives. We are proud to help those who served our country. Our mission is to help our veterans. To learn more, go to HealVets.org. That's HealVets.org. Sponsored by Help Heal Veterans. This is Neil Everett from SportsCenter. When I'm in Eugene, I listen to Quack Smack. And you better, too. KWVA Eugene, 88.1 FM. Go Ducks, Quack! Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Quack Smack here on 88.1. Saul Gavon, Lily Crane, Aiden Hess, and Ben Schoenfield. We just talked about Oregon volleyball as well as some Oregon basketball early in the show. And now we're going to talk about some Oregon football. I know Aiden, he's been itching at this one. He's been excited to talk about this one. Aiden's going to be there tomorrow. The Pac-12 championship, Oregon versus Washington, a rematch from earlier in the year. Kickoff is set for 5 o'clock. Brian Milano, Osnoda going to be on the call right here on 88.1 FM, but uh, let's just get right into it because I think we're all itching kind of at this one to to start talking about it. I, you know, We know what happened early in the year. Oregon lost Washington 36-33 in Seattle, uh, and it's the only loss that Oregon's had all year. It was obviously a big loss because right now Oregon's sitting at number 5 in the polls and Washington is at number 3. But really this matchup, I think, and it's really considered the, I would say probably the most important or most, the game this weekend that has the most implications about it. Because if Oregon wins, everyone thinks that they'll be in. If Washington wins, they're in, obviously. Not just for the team itself, but also for the quarterbacks. Everyone is saying right now that whoever wins this game is going to be the front runner for Heisman. If Bo, if Oregon wins, it'll be Bo Nix, number one. If Michael Penix wins... He'll go back up to number one. Obviously, Jane Daniels is still in the conversation, but he's not going to be playing this weekend. LSU is not in the conference championship. So really, it's not just the teams that are playing for a conference championship. It's two quarterbacks that are going head-to-head for a Heisman race. Just so much at stake for both teams right now. 
trying to make the top four. Both are in really good position to make the top four, and this weekend could definitely prove a lot. But we'll, we'll start off with this, really. We, we've been previewing this game all week long. We know the implications that are coming with it, what this game is going to mean to not just the players but the fans and everyone in the community. But we'll, we'll start with you know more like the player side of it. What or who can really be the difference makers for either team We'll start off with Washington. Who who you know can be the difference makers for Washington if they want to have any success against Oregon this time around? Ooh, for Washington, I think just I mean obviously Penix. I'm I'm always looking at the quarterback matchup because that's just this is just a really exciting quarterback matchup. Like I can't remember the last time that Oregon and and the Huskies had just a really good quarterback on both sides matching up against each other two like you said the two Heisman kind of candidates whoever wins is is likely going to be the front runner um, as as voting kind of closes and and yeah they get to match up not once but twice and that's just really exciting I think Penix uh, needs to have a good a good game uh I think the offensive line needs to be able to kind of free him up and give him space uh, to to make some big passes, uh, and then just you know help from the from his receivers. Um, Dylan Johnson's been big for the Huskies this season. I think it just needs to be kind of a collective effort uh, for the Washington offense because if the offense is doing well, uh, then I think this is going to be another shootout if if it's struggling then i think oregon easily takes this game yeah aiden oregon and washington who you really think is going to be the difference maker well i think for both teams it's going to be it's going to be a war in the trenches both these teams i saw i saw like a little uh a post earlier today that both the teams are elite in pass protection oregon very allowed the least amount of sacks all season i believe it's two washington is in second place in that department with five I think uh, they're just very, very great on that front. Um, super low sack numbers. Um, and I think the defensive lines are going to be important. More important for Oregon because uh, Bo Nix, I think, is a more mobile QB than Michael Penix is. So if Oregon can really uh, make Michael Penix have to shuffle his feet around and get outside the pocket um, and, and make his day difficult, I think I think advantage Oregon if they can really dial up the pressure tomorrow night. Ben? I definitely think that this is going to be a uh, wide receiver shootout. Romo Dunze versus Troy Franklin, Jalen Polk versus Tez Johnson, McMillan versus Holden, or Bryant, whoever you want to put as their third Oregon receiver. But I think, for me, I would agree with uh, Aiden as a war in the trenches. I mean... I agree that Bonix is definitely the more mobile QB and they've done it less so this year, but they move the pocket outside of the normal pocket and like set up to the right side. But you also saw last week when Bonix rolled out and threw the like 45 yard bomb to Troy Franklin for the mm-hmm. touchdown at the end of the half. Heisman moment. Definitely. Many would say. <laughs> uh, but just stuff like that. I think the Oregon team needs to stay disciplined and limit penalties because that has really gotten in their way, especially on the offensive line with holding and some false starts. But other than that, I think this is an all-around really good battle of two good defensive lines, two really good secondaries, and an offensive fire like firepower 
on both sides. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the matchups really for this year for Oregon, and, and no team matches up better than Washington. Two really explosive offenses, pretty good defenses. I would say Oregon definitely has the better defense over Washington. Washington mm-hmm. has been giving up a lot of points, especially to their opponents where the game should have been – the point differential should have been a lot bigger for Washington. But the defense has kind of hung in there, uh, but still two really good teams. And I think, like you said, de- discipline is definitely going to be key in this one. Uh, obviously, penalties were something that – Oregon was struggling with, especially in the beginning of the year, even against Washington, too. Uh, they only had three penalties against Washington, but those three penalties were pretty costly. There were some games where they had upwards of 10 penalties, but against Oregon State, they really cleaned it up. No penalties, and it was the first time this year they didn't have any penalties, and that's something that Dan Lanning was really proud of. He kind of he praised it in his postgame press conference. One of the first things he said was, wow, no penalties. That's really impressive uh, coming from his team. But, yeah, I think for the difference makers in this team, it, it's Jalen Polk and uh, – Journey uh, Bernard. I mean, he looks at two receivers besides Romo Dunze because obviously Romo Dunze is going to be Michael Penix's main target. But Oregon is Oregon's going to know that they know what Romo Dunze, the connection that those two have, what they can do. So obviously they're going to probably put him in double coverage. In that case, Jalen Polk and Jeremy Bernard, they're going to be two guys that Michael Penix is going to have to look for. They they've been pretty two solid targets that uh, Penix has found over these past couple weeks especially. Um, but it's de- they're definitely going to be difference makers, in my opinion, uh, for this Washington offense. For Oregon, like Aiden said, it's going to be a battle in the trenches. For me, Brandon Loris, Jeffrey Bossa, and Tysheem Johnson, three guys that are really going to have to have an impact on this game. You got one defensive line up front to bring the pressure to Michael Penix. By the way, Michael Penix, I, I, I definitely agree with that, that Michael Penix has not been uh, the same mobile quarterback he was last year. I think he's taken a lot of hits. The offensive line has really kind of uh, let him get beat up a little bit, and he really hasn't been that same quarterback he's been. Obviously, Washington's record, they're still undefeated, but some of their games that they had, you know, it's they're not really as dominant as a team as the record would make it seem like they are. Uh, you know, Penix, especially against Washington State, they only won by three points, and you could tell that Michael Penix was banged up after that. He not sure if he was in pain, if it was emotion, but something was definitely going on with him, and he has not been the same since that Oregon game. And that's really when the Washington wins have just kind of been on a steady downfall, even though they've been winning those games. They haven't been winning in, in dominant fashion like Oregon has. So Brandon Dolores bringing the pressure up front. Jeffrey Bossa, he's had a lot of big games this year. And then Taishim Johnson probably going to get put on Romo Dunze, and that's going to be a really big test. But uh, you know, looking back at the Oregon versus Washington game, uh, in October, the Ducks were super aggressive against the Huskies. They went for it a lot in fourth down. We know about the the infamous uh, when Dan Lanning went off went for it on fourth down instead of punting it away in the fourth quarter. Aiden, I could see you shaking your head a little bit about that. Really, this time around, Oregon knows what they're good at and what they're not. But you obviously have to look at what happened against Washington and the, how aggressive they were. So really, this time around, how aggressive should Oregon be in this matchup? I th- yeah, I think I think they should be aggressive. <laughs> um I I think it just all goes back to with this matchup just uh the way both these teams have been playing since the first matchup this season and in Washington, you know, has struggled. Uh I mean that that should have been a big confidence booster for for the Huskies. And, and it just wasn't uh, kind of really struggling to get past uh, a lot of these Pac-12 opponents. Some have been 
highly ranked and really good and then others are towards the bottom of the conference and and then Oregon Dan Lanning said I think at, at press earlier this week he was talking about uh the Oregon State matchup last weekend and and how kind of the coaching staff was just kind of saying things to the players about last year's matchup to to get them kind of angry and motivated and, and he, I think he said we don't need that extra motivation for this 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 matchup um tomorrow and so yeah I think they've been playing angry since since the Washington loss uh and I think I think we'll see that again in tomorrow's game that I don't think they they liked the way that game ended I think I think Dan Lanning I think he had some regrets on some of the decisions he made uh in that game and so I think yeah, I think they are going to be aggressive uh, yeah. because they want redemption. Aiden, last thoughts before we uh, head out? Well, I think in a championship game, obviously you want to be aggressive, but I think for the Ducks, it's about picking your spots at the right time. Um, that fourth down decision back in October at the end of the game, I actually uh, I understood that, and I would honestly say I might even agree with it because if you pick up a first down there, you end the game. Washington, they're out of timeouts. You can just take a knee. But this one, you're not on the road. You're at a neutral site. Um, Oregon's a favorite. Uh, but I don't think they're going to let let them just – Oregon's not just going to sit back and say, oh, we're favored in this game. Um, they're still going to go out and get it. They're going to play hungry, and I'm looking forward to see what the Ducks are going to do tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about it, but we're just going to see what happens tomorrow. We're actually going to end the show a couple minutes early because – well, we're actually ending the show for a good reason. Oregon Volleyball. Match starts in just two minutes. Knight Uretsky, Brody Napier are going to have the call. Ryan Milano, Osnoda are going to be in Vegas tomorrow calling the game for 88.1 FM. You can catch both of those uh, on 88.1 FM, but that's going to do it all. Saul Galvan, Lily Crane, Aiden Hess, and Ben Schoenfield for tonight's edition of Quack Smack. We'll be back next week to break down the big weekend Oregon athletics, but that'll be it for tonight. 